0: Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome and thanks for joining in with
1: us. Now, you're here listening to our Routine Millionaires and Billionaires to soak in all the advice and wisdom they share. We don't talk about money, but these are people who are at the top of their category, well-known in their circles. I call them elite entrepreneurs, and you're an entrepreneur at heart, and you want to grow, and you want to do it as fast as possible. Now, you may have a garden or yard, and you may dislike weeds, the topic of today's discussion, but let me tell you this. I have a neighbor with a once-beautiful front lawn section of pure white rocks. And weeds got into it, without invitation, by the way, and they took over. And there she is, spending all afternoon pulling them out, one by one. Now when done, the rock lawn looked fantastic. So they aren't grown on purpose, and we have to get rid of them when we see them. All right, you got that. Now, let's give this all a 180-degree twist. We're going to talk about Grow Like a Weed with Stu Hynek. And later in this episode, we have an insider's brief about the future of sports, how IBM is bringing tennis and football to life for fans through new AI and cloud technology applications. Stay tuned for that later in this episode. And while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at growing your business to a high, sustainable level. Meet Stu Hynek. He's a Hall of Fame nominated marketer, best selling author, and a Wall Street Journal cartoonist. That's super important. And that says it all. Let's get into it. Hi, Stu. Welcome to the Tony D'Irso Show.
2: Tony, thank you so much for having me on. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor. Stu, we're all looking forward to getting
1: our business to grow like a weed. And I really appreciate you spending some time with us. The honor is mine. I just want to just jump right in. I can't wait. You've done so much. I'm a marketer. I've written books on marketer. Here you are, Hall of Fame. I just love it. The Hall of Fame nominated. And so um, the honor really is just all mine. So let me just kind of cut the chatter for a moment and just jump in. Stu, how did it all happen for you?
2: Well, I was driving down the Santa Monica Freeway many years ago and you know, it's it's back when so many years ago, it's when traffic used to move really fast on those freeways. So um so you know here we were we're going along, and there's six lanes of traffic coming this way and six lanes going the other way. So that's twelve lanes of traffic, lots of cars, roaring tires. And in the middle, there's a forty foot wide concrete median. It's all concrete. there's no it's no place for a plant to take root, but, of course, we know there was there were weeds growing out of the cracks. And I happened to notice and like that's it's something we, we always see. And I don't know, it's such a ubiquitous sight. But this time it really it really just struck me because I thought, look at this one dandelion that's growing out of the crack. It looked happy. It looked like, you know, those happy yellow flowers and the, the happy seed pods blowing those seeds around. And it's kind of bounced around in the smoggy turbulence. And I uh, said, like, you know, isn't that impressive? Because this thing just landed wherever it landed and it's making a living, it's running its process. And that's just really, really impressive. And, you know, I I, I, I was imagining that, you know, I mean, obviously it didn't didn't get hung up on, let's say, I don't know, this sucks, look where I landed. (laughs) I I saw myself as living at the beach. So, you know, instead it was just wherever it landed, it was gonna make a go at it. It was gonna be very, it was gonna be fierce about it. It It's gonna run its process. And I just thought, you know, I hope that when, because I was kind of a young guy then, I hope I can do that in my business and in my career, because that's a big, that's a heck of a standard to live up to. But the thing that I drove away with is, I wonder if they have a, a model, if there's a if there's a sort of this unified model that all of the weeds follow, and it, that is, of course, to grow and, and um, to expand and, and dominate their turf, all the things that they do. do they have a a model? And it turns out they do. And that's what led to the book.
1: It's really interesting. And I've noticed that you're right. Here and there, we see beautiful flowers and they're not just ugly. Weeds, okay, we all know this. Weeds, though. in our mind, they're ugly. They're not. There's some beautiful flowers and some of them are rather medicinal, which is another topic. So here you are, you notice that and, and then somewhere along the line, you got this vision of, hey, I could be the weed master. I'm kind of teasing a little. I could do the weed thing. And then you started talking about it, writing books and and so on and so forth. When did that vision kind of coalesce to just to just roll with that?
2: Well, you know, I, I just so again, that that one experience happened many years ago. And I've just been wondering, oh, OK, I just op, just observing. And, you know, we cartoonists, we do a good job of observing and, and sort of you know, distilling everything down to one one quick essence, and and so that's what I've been doing. I've just been watching, and I've been noticing what weeds do, um, um, how it applies to business, and then I started interviewing. You know, that's what when I finally decided this is going to be a book, started interviewing some really impressive people. I mean, some billionaires and some business personalities, and a lot of experts in all kinds of field, all sorts of fields across business and. Um, and, and actually gardeners and, and weed scientists, I didn't know there was such a thing, but there is, but I wanted to, I just wanted to find out then, well, what's, and that's a wonderful part of this whole process of writing a book. When you start interviewing people, um, that's when perspectives really start to coalesce and, and broaden as well. And so, yeah, I just, I, I realized this is re- we're really on track with this. Weeds really have this model that, that some of us already follow and, when someone's following the model completely at all levels, those are generally the people who are billionaires. It's really interesting. And when I, when I interviewed, for example, Kathy Ireland, one of the things she said was, I wanted to do this interview because I felt like a weed my whole life. <laughs> I thought, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. And I don't know, T. Boone Pickens was another one that I interviewed. Do you remember T. Boone Pickens? I mean, I remember the name, yes. In case anyone in the audience doesn't remember him or doesn't know his name, he was the original corporate raider. I believe he was the original one, but he was the one he was he was in the in the news all the time because he was constantly going after in takeover bids, hostile takeover bids. Um, I don't know some of the biggest oil companies in the world. Phillips sixty six is one of them. Unical is another. There were a bunch of them that that he would make these runs at, and um, and and he did so much of it. much of what he did was very weed-like. And in fact, I'm sure that the executives at either at any of these oil companies, when he came came calling, you know, by by buying up stock, they're probably just saying, geez, what a total weed this guy is. Because he was, he was a total weed. So you notice
1: dandelions and weeds on the wall. And by the way, I've driven that Santa Monica Freeway and all the freeways in Southern California for a great many years. And it's startling to see no rain, it's usually dry most of the time and here are weeds growing out. Okay, so you observe the weed, you got the vision that you can do something and you got this whole thing. So now, the next question is, are you into this? Are you doing this because you want to be a billionaire? What's the reason behind you doing all this and, and, and learning and studying and teaching about growing a business like a weed?
2: Well, um, you know, when I write books, I'm not sure I'm doing it. <laughs> the purpose of writing the books becomes clearer and clearer. And so um, I don't know that I'm writing the books to become wealthy per se, but, but I will say that as I wrote the book and as I, um, you know, I I run an agency, I run a a marketing agency. So as I wrote the book and then went through the, the editing of it, um, I started realizing, Oh my God, I'm making a lot of mistakes here. (laughs) Not in the book, but in my business at the Weeds. And, and so there are a couple Actually, what I should do is tell you what their model is, because um, because when you look at it, you just say, that makes sense. And either you're doing it or you're not. If you're not, then, you, then you're hampered in your business. And some parts of it, if you're not doing it, then you don't have a business. So that model is, it's really simple. All of them, although they all come in all shapes and sizes, and they're all over the world, all weeds do the same thing. They all leverage a fierce mindset. I have to come back to that, but a fierce mindset and unfair advantages against collective scale and then do it according to a process that is both ancient and it's millions of years old, but able to respond to challenges very, very quickly. That's their secret. That's the whole model of how weeds grow like weeds. But if you think about it, one of those, I I mentioned a a fierce mindset, you could say a weed mindset. And by the way, I'm not talking about, in case it wasn't obvious, I'm not talking about these weeds, <laughs> you know, the ones you smoke. I'm talking about, as you said, the, the weeds that show up in those beautiful rock gardens, uninvited everywhere. And and so anyway, so they, they, they have this fierce mindset. And then they then they have they, they cultivate force multipliers. I want to go there first, because when you think about, let's say, a dandelion. Because everyone has dandelions, everyone's familiar with dandelions. So they've got those seed pods that that you know our kids love to blow cuz they're cuz they work so well actually they you know, they're they're beautifully well let's say they're geometrically geometrically arranged so that they have the greatest possibility of taking flight and going somewhere to put down roots and then those seeds are meant to fly and they they're beautiful little flying machines they're they're just capable of flying for well, it's easily miles and so they go around and that's that's their method of probing every possible opportunity to take root, which is why they took root in the crack in the, the concrete median in the freeway. But that's why they how they do it everywhere. We've we've seen it everywhere. And and they end up finding opportunities that other plants don't. I mean, it was, I think it's significant that there wasn't a, an apple tree or a petunia growing out of the crack in the concrete because they don't have what it takes to be a weed. Right. They don't they don't have those unfair advantages developed. And there's some, some of these unfair advantages that weeds have, they're, they're just amazing. Usually it's it has a lot to do with seeds and seed production and how often they seed or, or just this overwhelming amount of seeds or maybe seeds that fly all over. There's some seeds, some weed seeds that fly hundreds of miles. So it's no, it's no wonder that they spread and gain territory, which I guess would be analogous in business to gaining uh, market share and that they're just, but they're just perfectly designed to grow.
1: We're talking about how to grow like a weed with Stu Hynek, and you can find him at stuhynek.com. And I'll spell that S T U H E I N E C K E.com. And it's pronounced Stu Hynek. Did I get that
2: right? You did. It's almost like Heineken beer. Yeah, perfect.
1: This is the Tony D'Urso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others. To help you move on your vision path, just ahead, the chat continues. Grow like a weed with Stu Hynek. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. I wanted to walk across the street the other day and I was not in the crosswalk. I was still on the sidewalk and a lady saw me and she was driving by and she slowed down and I didn't want her to stop for me, so I waved her on. But she continued slowing down and waved back at me to go ahead. You know how that goes, right? We both kept waving at each other, and I finally decided I would walk across the street anyway, even though I was trying to be polite. Well, the lady rolled down her window, and she said to me that she had plenty of time. She was driving down to the local pharmacy, and she was going to be standing in line and waiting. You know how that goes? And that's exactly why I love Amazon Pharmacy. Yeah, that Amazon. Amazon Pharmacy delivers a better pharmacy experience that delivers directly to your door and works with most insurance plans. Amazon Pharmacy helps you save time, save money, and stay healthy. And there's transparent pricing so you know what you'll pay before you pay it. And that is so great. And Prime members can save up to 80% on their prescriptions. That's huge. And like I mentioned earlier, Amazon Pharmacy works with most insurance plans. And check this out. If you ever had any questions or problems, real pharmacists are always available at Amazon Pharmacy no matter what time, day or night. Your medication gets delivered to your door so there's no more rushing out to the store hoping to get there before they close. A pharmacy that works for your life with meds delivered to your door. It doesn't get any better than that. Switch to Amazon Pharmacy and save time, save money and stay healthy. Learn more at Amazon.com slash D-U-R-S-O. That's Amazon.com slash D-U-R-S-O. Amazon.com slash D-U-R-S-O. Average savings based on usage and inside Rx data as compared to cash prices. Average savings for all generics are 78%. 37% for select brand medications. Restrictions apply. Again, that's Amazon.com slash D-U-R-S-O.
0: You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All
1: right, we're back on The Tony D'Urso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Grow Like a Weed with Stu Hynek. Entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, or you can find everything back to day one at Tony, D-U-R-S-O. This is really interesting on the weeds, and And now now I know there's there's different scaling strategies that that can help a business, so let's kind of go into those first, and then we'll talk about maybe the weeds model.
2: Sure. Well, you know, I I think the, um, I went into the project, I went into the the book, uh, intending to write it for anyone in business, but I think the ones that might get the most from it, I might retract this. I don't know. I'm thinking out loud, but I'm thinking the ones that might get the most from it are Small business owners, because they've got a lot, there's a lot of growth yet to go. Or startups, although it's interesting how it applies to, to franchises. So let me explain that. From birth, we are, we are um, t- trained uh, and, and raised to become self-sufficient. It's, it's a highly prized attribute in our, in our, our world, in our, in our society. If you're not self-sufficient, you, you're not gonna go anywhere. And so the more self-sufficient you are, the more capable you are. And when you think about entrepreneurs, they're supremely capable people. They, they deal with the risks. They come up with visions. They make these, mis- these visions happen. They, they just kind of fight against the, the impossible and win. So they're highly self-reliant people. The problem with that is that if you're too self-reliant, it can prevent you from scaling. Here's what I mean. When, we're, when, we, when we grow up, I think our, one of our first... First um, um, exposures to all of this is when we play musical chairs. So the first time you go through it, and the music stops, and you go whoop, well, where's my chair? You realize, wait a minute. Okay, the next time the music stops, I'm watching all these chairs. I'm going to make sure I get one, and you start being self sufficient. And then we're taught to go to school, get good grades, go to go to a good university, get a great job. But you can't scale jobs. You can't have a thousand jobs. And an entrepreneur, entrepreneur's job is to that's probably anyway. Um, the, the entrepreneur's uh, function is to scale whatever it is they're they're building. So, um, so we we're, we're just naturally drawn to and 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 think in terms of one to one leverage. And whenever we do that, we're preventing our business from from scaling. So, for example, so I'm, I'm talking now about the small businesses. So, if you are part of the the deliverables that your company op- offers. If you're part of the deliverable stream, whatever it is that your company delivers to clients and, and uh, customers, then you are the bottleneck. You shouldn't be there. You should be building a team or you should be outsourcing, but you should not be in the middle of that. And, and if you are, the more actually just the more you recognize that you're working at one-to-one leverage, the more you you find that there are ways that you should be pulling yourself out, building a team around you, building scale around you. And and then building the scale of the business that way. So um, one of the things I think weeds tell us to do immediately, And this is one of the things that I, well, I'm, I am definitely stuck in one-to-one leverage. That's one of the things that, that I pulled from the book really quickly as I was, as I was writing, it was, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I, I'm willing to teach myself anything. I, I feel like I can do many things better than most, most like anybody else I can hire and, that's deadly to an entrepreneur you can't do that um but one of the things that that then came out of the book to me one of the big takeaways was you need to you need to form as many alliances also so i mentioned building a team but also so that would be employees and and maybe vendors or um other supporters but you also need to build a a, a um a, a network of alliances and i don't mean just like people you know but i'm saying People that you collaborate with, you, you really should be looking for the smartest people, you know, and collaborate with them as fast as you can. And, and that was one of the big takeaways. I'm doing that in my business. I'm changing the fact that, I, that there was one-to-one leverage and, and it's growing as a result. It's, it's amazing what's happening just to watch that happen. So yeah, the, the weeds, if you watch weeds, if you watch what they do, I think that's one of the, one of the big, um. Takeaways also from the book is watch what weeds are doing because they show us how to how to scale, and they do it beautifully.
1: Now, weeds have uh, some strategies that you've determined from them, and you actually have a weeds model of scaling, and you have some strategies on that. So let's go into some of what those are and see how that can stimulate our own growth.
2: yeah, well, so there is the weeds model, which is an acronym. Weeds spells out um, or is 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 um, stands in for, weed-inspired enterprise expansion and domination strategies. So here's the thing. In the weeds model, I remember I mentioned that, that weeds, never, well, they never do anything without an unfair advantage, essentially. Other plants don't seem to care so much about that, but weeds never do anything without an unfair advantage. So the weeds model is eight levels of strategy to help you create and end up and accentuate your own unfair advantages. Does that make sense?
1: It does. You know, and I think about on my property, I've got some giant redwood trees and I have these blueberry bushes. Now everyone's thinking about wow, blueberry bushes. They're wonderful. The blueberries, uh, excuse me, I said blueberries. I say that all the time. They're blackberries and they have cool. these giant thorns, but because they're a weed, they grow and they will grow around the redwood tree and the pines and anything and just strangle them. And they'll, they'll, they'll take over unless you cut them back. And it's just amazing when you talk about an unfair strategy, my, my redwood trees, they don't bother the, the blackberries, but the blackberries, they're out there with the unfair advantage and they're just trying to take over everything. It's the weed's mindset.
2: Yeah. You know, you know it's interesting too. Um, venture capital groups are fond of, of um, naming themselves after trees. So, you know, one of the big ones is Sequoia Capital. When you look at a sequoia tree, and actually, when you look at, well, when you look at the tree, they're, they're amazing. They're, they're, they are a, a miracle.
1: Uh, but- Sequoias are, I believe, the widest or some of the biggest trees
2: in the world. They are, yeah. They're, and, they're the biggest trees.
1: They grow to like 300 feet or so, as well as redwoods. Redwoods are the tallest trees in the world. It's yeah. really interesting that a, a capital investment firm will take the name of a tree. that It's it, it got a lot of significance to it.
2: Yeah. But what I was going to say, though, is if you look at the distribution map, of, let's say, sequoias or even redwoods um, versus the the distribution map of, let's say, dandelions. You can see which one has the better model for spread (laughs) because, you know, sequoias only, I think they only exist just outside of Fresno in in, um, Yosemite. And the, the Sierras, yeah. And so they're the biggest trees in the world and they don't spread at all. They're not good at spreading at all. That's kind of interesting to me that they would choose those. Um, and redwoods, I think, are they're not quite as limited, but they're I, I believe they're probably just California coastal.
1: They are. It's really interesting. If you drive from California to Oregon, just boom, as if there's some barrier there, the redwoods stop and the pines take over.
2: Yeah. Yep. They don't have an they, they, they're great trees. They're beautiful trees, but they don't have a great spread um, uh, <laughs> strategy. And and that leaves them without an unfair advantage, at least in that regard
1: yeah well, I think as if we're going to compare trees, they have their places where the climate is good and they thrive in that particular type of a climate as opposed to weeds which seem to be ubiquitous. You see them in the desert, you see them in the rainforest, you see them everywhere, and they seem to be the same type of weed, though I am not a weed specialist. I'm if you're a weed specialist, just you know let us know more about weeds. but it, it seems that the trees are more a regional and just have their area where they like to grow and they like to grow in clusters you know if you have for example one of these sequoias or redwoods or pines growing by themselves the odds are well they may get uh, blown down by a wind but when there's a group of them they th- they're impervious to the wind so it's really interesting in terms of the cluster model for trees but weeds they have a different mindset they work on something totally different
2: yeah, they do. They're, they're out to gain territory, <laughs> and they'll, they'll do it fiercely. And, and when you think about those clusters of, of, um, of sequoia trees, maybe it's because all they do is drop the cones <laughs> at, their, at their roots. <laughs> that's it. They're not going to spread. They're just sort of custom-made for not spreading at all.
1: Yeah, I think so, because that's how they grow, and then they grow very thick. Now, you have eight strategies, I believe, from looking through your book on, this, on the weeds model. Let's see if we can get into that and stimulate some of our own ideas and growth uh, for our business.
2: Yeah, well, there there are eight levels. So, seed strategy, which is anal- seeds are analogous to anything that causes people to become aware of us and form the intent to transact with us. Um, so, marketing and, and uh, public relations, and uh, um, uh, it could be any many things. Actually, a, a great design. Ferrari does this really well. Great design causes people to just go, "Wow, look at that." and it spreads and so but anything that causes people to come become aware of us and form the intent to transact with us in some way they could become a client they could be a follower on social media whatever it is they they want to follow they want to do something with us seed pod strategy is the next level down and seed pods are well the seed pods are multipliers of seeds so if you think about the, the seed pod of a dandelion it holds the seeds way up in the air because they grow pretty tall and then it spreads them out in that beautiful geodesic dome ball, um, which really just maximizes the surface area that is exposed of the seeds to the wind. And and so so that's analogous to really borrowing the infrastructure of uh, not sorry, not the infrastructure, but the the reach of others. So, in a sense, sorry to say, it's because I'm on your show, this is kind of a seed pod strategy for me. <laughs> but um, because because I'm reaching your audience. And that's 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 what we need to do. Part of what we need to do. So the next one down is thorn strategy. And so those we know what thorns are. We, you just talked about them with blackberries. Thorns yeah, access denial um, strategies, they they keep in- intruders out. And, you know, we know what it feels like. You get pricked once by by one of those thorns. You're not coming back. You're going to avoid it. And so these are um, Strategies that that help you repel um, uh, just you know people who are going who might challenge you in your marketplace. So certainly that that's all of your IP uh, that that would be uh, registered legally. So it could be trademarks and patents. And
1: this is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. Grow like a weed with Stu Hinek. But first, it's time for us to take a short break.
3: Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast.
2: If that doesn't work,
1: try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts.
0: You're listening to The Tony D'Irso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest.
1: All right, we're back on The Tony D'Irso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others. To help you move on your vision path, today's show is Grow Like a Weed with Stu Hynek. The entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, or you can find everything back to day one at tonydurso.com slash podcast. And now, back to the chat with Stu. Uh,
2: but then beyond that, I, I think it's also just sort of the reputation of being a fierce competitor. I mean, if there are some competitors you just don't want to mess with. Um, kind of, if we relate it to the news today, um, China is our competitor, and they're being quite thorny, aren't they? And so, you know, it, it does cause people to, to to think twice. It causes the people who might challenge you to think twice. It's it's a kind of an intimidation factor. So that's thorn strategies. We have to have those. We have to protect our our IP, or nothing nothing sticks to our businesses. And the next one in the in the model is segmentation. So if you ever grab a weed in your your garden and you're trying to just get rid of it, so you grab it, just get a handful of it, and yank, and what you get is just a handful of what you had in your hand, but nothing else. Like the rest of the weeds is still left there. Well, that's usually because they're built in segments, and these are there's sort of a a joint that's a, so a, a plug and a a joint around it. So when when you pull on it when it's when it's pulled on, just that pops out, but it doesn't pull, pull out the whole It Doesn't remove the weed by the roots, and and that's a survival. Well, it's a survival strategy. But really, it's a survival. I mean, a, a strategy of of um, limiting risk and damage and risk of loss based on on disruption. You know, weeds are one of nature's great disruptive forces but they're also built to be disrupted. They understand that they'll be disrupted as well. And those, that's what those strategies are about is minimizing the effect of those, of those um, disruptions and really just thriving. Actually, they can thrive as a result of those disruptions. So segmentation strategies is, is looking at how we can do the same thing. And if I might expound on that a little bit, here we are heading into a recession. Now, some might say, and no two quarters of negative growth isn't a recession this time, but whatever, It's a recession. And if we have three or four, then you know it's a recession. So you know one of the things that we've lived for is they they're always looking for disrupted ground. That's where they thrive. So another another name for disrupted ground might be yards or or, or farmland and whenever they find that that's just virgin territory to them to to spread and grow and establish themselves and then defend their turf. So all of that that's just about disruption it's really an interesting topic because weeds are disruptors they are also they're just absolutely ready to adapt to any disruption that they encounter. And then there are others there's there's rosette strategy and vine strategy and root strategy and and soil strategy meant to help you Cultivate more unfair advantages, and to to form uh, um, partnerships and alliances. That's the fastest way we're going to grow. And and then root strategy is is cultivating the whole life force and value of the business in ways that that really is sort of curating, it's sort of like like the way art is curated in in a gallery. But to maximize that value and protect the value, and and soil strategy is about. About um, fostering the best possible conditions for growth.
1: You know what? Some of this uh, is making me think as you're going through this too. I'm thinking of if I take my business and you know physically, though you can figure out how to do it on online. If I took my business and just set up shop somewhere where I'm not supposed to set up shop where there's competition or something else, and just kind of muscle my way in a little bit and create a little bit. Uh, maybe even a little thorns, maybe not necessarily pain, not create problems, but just kind of push out on my borders. I can just kind of muscle my way into some business and start taking a market share where you already think that there's no room. It's like that dandelion that comes out of that uh, 20, 30 foot high wall on the Santa Monica freeway or whatever, just kind of muscles it, its way in. And there it is to stay. And it's very tenacious. You pull on it, you're not getting much, as you say, because it's so deeply rooted and entrenched and as you're going through this i'm thinking about you know when you go into an area to really cement yourself in for for lack of a better word really get yourself entrenched in an area because you may think there's no competition if you push your way in you'll kind of push out the competition a little bit and grab some market share Quite by force, though, it seems like by force. That's kind of like what I'm getting while, while I'm thinking about all this from uh, uh, the weed mindset.
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting because, um, yeah, if you watch weeds, and again, I just I, I hope that as a result of, of reading How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed, that people will say, I've just got to watch what the weeds are doing in my yard before I pull them. You can still pull them, they're, they're weeds, but watch what they're doing, and and they do fight For for turf, they're constantly doing it. Every every yard in in the world is seeing the same thing. So you can watch what they're doing and get at least gain some uh, some inspiration from them and to, to just, you know, drive strength from them because they're really, they are such fierce competitors. But here's another really interesting thing. They're also, I think that also points to forming alliances because we can form alliances with with people we compete with. And I would say authors do it all the time. We do it all the time. We're always helping each other. So you can also form alliances with people that I guess you could say are competitors, but they might have, I don't know, they might have clients that, that need something that you do that's different from what your competitor does, um, whatever it is, it, it, they're really, they also are natural collaborators, weeds are. And that's why I, mean, I say that because if you notice a dandelion in your lawn, you might say, well, OK, there's a daylight. I'll pull it up. Uh, and if it was just one, <laughs> it wouldn't be much of a factor. But look up and you'll see it's hundreds out there. If if you see one, you're really you're just seeing one of an army. And, and so weeds are telling us in no uncertain terms, you've got to find ways to collaborate with the smartest people, you know. So those might be some of those might be your competitors.
1: I like that. And it kind of reminds me of the adage, you know there's a strength in numbers because we'd start growing more and more first there's one then another then another next thing you know unless you pull them they take over and they strangle everything else so very interesting but we don't necessarily want you to strangle others but it is a very interesting mindset and part of that also actually the mindset part you have a number of mindsets that you feel that the entrepreneur Really needs to have in place. So I'd love to go over some of those mindsets.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm glad you asked because I didn't want to leave it hanging. As um, this is not the weed, this is not the weed mindset we're talking about. It's sitting around smoking some tubes—that's <laughs> not it. When you think about what weeds do, if you watch what they do, if you—I don't know—if you pull them up, for example, you'll see how quickly, or cut them down, cut them back, you'll see how quickly they grow back. They're very persistent. They're also, um, I would say, aggressive and urgent and Certainly resilient. And I would even say optimistic, which is a weird thing to be ascribing to a weed. <laughs> I mean, weeds don't have minds. They don't work, well I should say they don't have brains. So how on earth could something be optimistic? But if you watch the way that they attack their, um, their job, I and mean, they, that strat or sorry, that, that process of theirs is just, it's just programmed into their DNA, and they just run it. Well, so they run it like a computer does, they don't, they don't let their emotions get in the way. They don't have emotions so they're not in their way we have emotions and they're in in our way constantly but they just focus on what is and they deal with it right away so if you cut them back boom they're right back to rebuilding and so so that i I, if we define optimism as let's say the the lack of of um depression because depression causes us to not do the things we need to do to to recover from something let's say recover from a loss or to to get something done They are the opposite of being depressed. They are so gung ho. They're really, I would call them optimists.
1: Well, another thing, just a little slightly silly and humorous in California, the weeds have a very strong lobby community, very strong, so strong that there is a very highly effective weed killer. I won't mention the name, where you could just cut the weed and then uh, take some of this, um, put it on the The stump, the little stump, and that weed will never grow. Well, that product is so effective, it's not able to be bought in California. It's against the law to buy it in California. You can buy it anywhere in the world. You could have it shipped anywhere in the world except California. So, so weeds are very strong here in California. They've got a very strong lobby. I don't know how they did it, but they, but they pulled it off. And that just shows you that even though it's something you don't like, it can be so strong that. It's impervious to regular laws, rules, protocols, or whatever, because they have a
2: strong lobby. Yeah, you know, I'll, tell, well, I'll mention it. I'll mention at least the, the, the active ingredient. It's, life, it's glyphosate. Um, and it's in Roundup. <laughs> I'll mention it because...
1: Well, actually, since you mentioned that Roundup is allowed... Oh, okay. So it's another one. They've got a monopoly, but they're not as good as something else, which is not allowed. Actually, not in California.
2: Oh, I'm going to have to ask you after the show what it is, but I have a really cool story about glyphosate and, and, and Roundup because um, that's also, that's just deadly stuff. And, you know, I was mentioning that, that weeds, you know, they run a process that's millions of years old, but it's also able to adapt immediately um, or, or relatively speaking. And so there's one weed that has been showing up in um, farmland across North America. <laughs> Oddly enough, it's called water hemp. <laughs> And so, but again, it's not the one you smoke. It's just water hemp. It's just this weed that grows very quickly. It's an annual, and it's really think about what this is. This is a, a and just such a radical approach to to strategy and to um, to really to evolution because the entire population dies every year. So it, it's longevity. It's its continuity is through its seeds, and these seeds are. Um, they, some of them have these useful mutations. And so, water hemp, in fact, produces well, let's say dandelions. We know how, I mean, once you have dandelions in your lawn, you're not going to get rid of them. And every one of those plants produces an average of about 15,000 seeds over a five to 10 year lifespan. Well, water hemp, by comparison, produces up to 4.8 million seeds per plant. And these plants die off every year. So, it's every year. Every one of those plants is producing up to four point eight million seeds. You're never getting rid of that plant. But here are farmers, and they're using um, they're using herbicides, and they're pretty effective. But water hemp, because it produced so many seeds, and and these seeds have these useful uh, constantly have these useful mutations. You could call it R and D, actually, or certainly. Evolution, because those those then take over, and the, the mutations in the seeds that were that were immune to Roundup, that were immune to, to glyphosate, those are the ones that then propagated. So in four years, that plant showed up, and then it was hit with with all of these herbicides, and it became immune to Roundup and seventy percent of all the other herbicides available to farmers. To kill weeds—that's <laughs> incredible. That's—I mean, to uh, that's the equivalent of—I of, um, mean, that is their evolution. That's sort of the equivalent of our, let's say, our technology. That's, i think—that's how we evolve more quickly than, than we actually evolve as as animals, but we certainly evolve through our technology. And that's—it's technology, and it's—that's just fearsome. I mean, that's incredible.
1: That is—I'm really thinking with that to be because the the product that we named, which I cannot name on air is so highly toxic and poisonous to the environment. We won't use it. We'll go, we'll, get, we'll go down, you know, one by one and pull these things out by the roots if we have to, but we cannot use a product like that. It's just really too hazardous to the soil. So that's right now what we have to do. This is the Tony DiRso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. Grow like a weed with Stu Hynek. But first. It's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment.
3: If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call.
0: You're listening to the Tony DiRso Show with special VIP guests. Now back to Tony and his guest.
1: All right, we're back on the Tony DiRso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is "Grow Like a Weed" with Stu The Entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts. Or you can find everything back to day one at Tony, D-U-R-S-O, dot com slash podcast. And now, back to the chat with Stu. But it just shows you back to the weeds when they can produce so many seeds. It's like saying, heck, come and get me. Who cares? Because it can still grow. And if we could get that mindset in our business, that no matter what, you know, maybe it's have multiple set of systems or platforms to get our prospects and to deliver our prospects so that if something happens or goes down it doesn't take us out of business i think that's where we should all look for as an entrepreneur so that we don't have even though it takes time to invest our business and grow our business right and we usually build a system or a platform or whatever to grow the business but once we do that we have to look at multiplying it, it, mirroring it, having more. Because if something happens to that one particular system, we're out of business. I've had that happen too many times, yet it takes time to build one. So you have to build one, but then it's a matter of find another way to build another system that's impervious to what's going on.
2: Yeah, and I think what you're talking about is, at least in in regard to the to the weeds model and, and the weeds, uh, yeah, just the model is is the unfair advantages that we cultivate in our business. If we don't have unfair advantages, there's no reason for us to be in business because we're not going to be in business very long because there are other businesses that do have unfair advantages. And maybe I should give an example because it sort of comes from the book. Um, You know, I want to sell a lot of books, obviously, and I'm going to build a franchise on the back end of the book. And so there's a bunch that I want to do with this book. But, I, you know, I need to spread a lot of seeds and um, and I need to do this. I, I'm, and I and I want to create alliances. So here's a great example of that in the book in and how to grow your business like a weed. One of the things that I mentioned was that I, I would be starting a new annual award called the Total Weed Award. And that would be to and I can't wait to. call. <laughs> well, it would be to to recognize. Well, you have to
1: you have to excuse me, Stu. I don't know that I want to be
2: called a weed. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm I think you will when I. When I finish, because um, when, because this is to recognize weed-like spread and and growth. I mean, that's incredible, and I'm, it'll be awarded to to VCs and then entrepreneurs and um, and startups, and, and you know they'll be the best of the best. So I think I can't wait to call these people total weeds. Actually, but here's the thing. Here's the wonderful thing about it. I was lucky enough to have um, Nicola Corsi the the executive director of the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center to write the forward to to the book, How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed. And, you know, I I went, I approached Nicola and I said, you know, I have this award that I need to start, I need to start building out. Would you be interested in teaming up with me? Because actually, wouldn't it be wonderful if we were able to sell sponsorships in this and all of the sponsorship money goes to the center? to the, to the Nasdaq Entrepreneurial Center. So it becomes a becomes a a, a fundraising event for um, or, or device for the center. She loves the idea. So we're going to team up and so the total weed award will be will be done in 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 um, in collaboration with the Nasdaq Entrepreneurial Center. <laughs> which is pretty crazy. And it really gives certainly gives the the award and and by extension the book because you have to know about the book to understand what the award is about. But it gives all of that a great, great boost as well. And so those are the kinds of alliances that we want to do. And that's, that's also, these are, they're, they're intermingled. So this is also an unfair advantage. Who's going to match that? How do you match that?
1: <laughs> I really like that. You're not just selling your business or selling the service, but through alliances, you're growing. And like a weed, you're creating unfair advantages, whether it's the seed strategy or the thorn strategy or whatever the different strategies are. You're growing your business so that no matter what happens, whether something comes to hurt you in one area, you're still growing in the other area, so I really like that a lot. I think that's brilliant, and yeah, it's not done enough at all
2: it's not and um, and i think I, I, you know and I'm also saying though that i'm collaborative i'm not just i'm not taking just taking something from the center we're in an alliance, and as a result i'm giving something i mean that's got to be a fundraiser for them so I'm bringing value to them as well, which is what what alliances should do. So the fact that we're, that we're growing together, we end up creating growth for each other is, is the point. And that's a wonderful way to be. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm just in the process, <clears throat> again, you know, I was writing, the, I re- wrote the book, read through it and said, oh, my God, all these mistakes I'm making in my business. So, so one of the things I'm also doing is I'm, I'm reaching out to all of the, the sales, the top sales thought leaders. Now, I've known them for years because I wrote another book. How, how to get a business, sorry, how to, how to get a meeting with anyone. And so I've, I've known a lot of the top sales thought leaders now for years, but I haven't reached out to them to say, you know, Hey, look, um, we should be, we should be collaborating here. And, and one of the ways we could do that was we could use my, my contact device, my contact campaign system to help some of your sales, um, some of your sales clients to break through to their top accounts. Well, you know, I don't know why I didn't do this before, but I'm sending a I'm sending a, one of those contact devices from the system. It's, it's a big cartoon piece, a personalized cartoon piece that gets people to call you back. And um, so I've sent it out now to all of the thought leaders. I'm saying, let's collaborate. And I'm just I just I'm kicking myself. Why didn't I do this before? Because I am the weed guy. I'm, I'm going to stand up for a second. Um, I'm the chief weed officer. <laughs> I have it on my T-shirt if you're listening. <laughs> but I mean, I'm the weed guy and I'm, I'm not sending a, I mean, I should be setting up these alliances everywhere. And that's what I'm doing. And that's what it takes to grow like a weed.
1: And I'm going to help you on some of those. We're going to talk about that off here. And once again, we talked about how to grow like a weed with Stu Hynek. And you can find him at StuHynek.com again dot ecom Stu, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us today. You've stimulated a lot, and there's so much more to think about. Guys, get the book, check it out, uh, How to Grow Like Weed. Stu, thank you so much for all this.
2: Tony, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: And here's an insider's brief about the future of sports, how IBM is bringing tennis and football to life for fans through new AI and cloud technology applications. You know, technologies including artificial intelligence, AI, and cloud computing are enabling fans around the world to have new immersive experiences of their favorite sport and players. With us is Noah Saiken, Vice President of Global Sponsorships and client executive programs at IBM. He's responsible for leading the strategy and partnerships related to IBM's global sponsorship portfolio, which includes partnerships with U.S. Open, tennis, the Masters, golf, the Grammys, Wimbledon, and more. Hi, Noah, and welcome.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me today.
1: Noah, what are fans looking for in the future of sports?
3: Well, we think that These new technologies like artificial intelligence and cloud computing really helps fans get closer to the action. Uh, They want to get closer to the competition. They want to understand more about the athletes. They want to love their teams more, and they want to have better experiences in stadiums. So we think that these new new technologies uh, enrich all of those experiences and make fans actually bigger fans and love their sports even that much more.
1: I see. And how is technology changing sports for fans?
3: Well, technology is really allowing fans to have new perspectives, you know, new perspectives on what it's going to take to win, uh, what it's going to take to achieve whatever the outcome is and whatever the the sport, you know, is, whether it's uh, baseball or football or basketball or, you know, tennis, Uh, the new strike zones, uh, automated strike zones that are coming in baseball, right? It's a whole new perspective on the game takes out, you know, some of the uh, ambiguity of the calls. But we really think that uh, fans really are looking for that next level of information to help them understand more about what the outcomes might be. That makes
1: sense. And how did IBM work with the USTA to bring the tournament to life this year?
3: So IBM has been a partner with the US Open for over 30 years, and we've made countless innovations over, over that time. Uh, this year, we're thinking about how we get all of our arms all of our arms around the data, the millions of sources of information. Uh, to create new points of value so things like the new ibm power index which takes into account all of the momentum leading into the us open recent data and media commentary about what people are writing about these players uh, in order to develop our new um, ranking system for the us open and within that we have the likelihood to win predictions that fans can engage in for every singles match Uh, So you're going to come to U.S. Open website, be able to understand who we're predicting to win, but then have a a vote, have your say, make a prediction of your own and compare that to what the artificial intelligence is saying, and then what the other millions of fans are saying and what they're predicting. So we think that's a, a way to deepen the engagement with the U.S. Open and have people stick around a little bit longer.
1: That's amazing. And what other sports partnerships does IBM have?
3: So at the same time the U.S. Open is happening, the NFL season is about to start, and we partner with ESPN to make their fantasy football application as rich as possible. They have millions of fans playing fantasy football, and most people uh, really think about how they draft the best team. We know that the key to winning fantasy football is not necessarily the draft, how you manage your team over the course of the season, when that player gets hurt, when a particular player is underperforming. You need to fill the gap. You need to find a new player and trade with one of your competitors. And so we have the IBM trade analyzer sitting on all of the shoulders of those folks making trades in the ESPN fantasy football app, helping them understand what their options are. Uh, and are these trades fair? Is the trade that's being proposed to them fair? Are they getting the short end of the stack? Are they getting the, the better end of the deal? Or are both players uh, about to benefit from a trade? So um, in addition to all the boom and bust predictions we provide, the new trade analyzer uh, is going to be really helpful for fantasy football fans.
1: Noah, why does IBM partner with these types of organizations?
3: So we partner with these organizations because they're fundamentally businesses who need to drive business results. It's actually, they're great platforms to demonstrate the full stack of IBM capabilities from artificial intelligence to hybrid cloud, to cybersecurity, to great consulting. Uh, but these organizations face the same challenges as more traditional businesses, banks, retailers, insurance companies around the world. They have to please their customers. They call their customers fans instead of you know clients and customers. So um, it's important that everybody recognizes these sporting events are, are businesses just like businesses that uh, they may normally recognize, and they need to drive results. And so whether it's a traditional business or a sporting event, we really focus on delivering mission-critical results and helping the businesses achieve their objectives.
1: That's really quite something. And where can our listeners go for more information?
3: Yeah, so folks can go to ibm.com slash sports to learn more about what we've talked about here today and how it applies to other sports as well as businesses around the world.
1: Noah, thanks so much for joining us today. This was really good to learn.
3: Thanks for having me, Tony. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. We discussed how to grow like a weed with Stu Hynek. We talked about some really interesting things here, comparing and contrasting weeds with growing a business. We talked about, well, the different scaling strategies that can help your business grow. We talked about the weeds model of scaling, and there's eight strategies in that. We talked about the mindsets for an entrepreneur to really get out there. And there's six different mindsets. We talked about a number of them. We talked about how to overcome adversity and challenges and so many other points. I like to ask you, what did we discuss that resonated with you? What's your weeds story? Tell us. And please remember supporting the show with a nice review on Apple Podcasts, as well as comments on the video platforms, should you run into those. And most important, share this with a few friends. It's all about friends helping friends and they're gonna appreciate that you shared this show. All right, let's use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks and remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds and join me on the next episode of the Tony D'Erso Show.